0: And welcome, once again, to Father Spitzer's Universe, where faith and reason intersect. I'm Doug Keck, your gatekeeper here each week, and email your questions to us at spitzersuniverse at EWTN.com, because it's a central part of the show. And also, for background, check out Father Spitzer's websites at TheMagicenter.com and PurposefulUniverse.com and SpitzerCenter.org. And Father Spitzer's universe is naturally always available on our YouTube channel and our EW10 On Demand. And while you're there, on our On Demand page, check out all the great programs. A new one we recently added is a classic heaven, classic talks by Mother Angelica. In these very popular programs, Mother will help you understand what we need to do to get to heaven and what we can expect when we reach out to our eternal reward. And you can see it all on demand, anytime, 24-7, absolutely free. And our topic today is The Moral Wisdom of the Catholic Church. is from Father's Book, and that's available through our EWTN Religious Catalog. The Book of the Month for June continues to be Father Benedict Answers Your Question by the late, great Father Benedict Groeschel. Always an exciting read. He always has great answers and a great take on everything. Speaking of great takes, we have our own Father Spitzer, who we joined out on the West Coast and asked him to kick us off with a prayer, if you would.
1: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your many blessings to us, the blessing especially of this ministry and our ability to serve in it. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit down upon us today, Doug, myself, our whole audience, so that everything we do and say will be brought to fruition in your will for the good of your people, your church, and your kingdom. WE ASK ALL OF THESE THINGS THROUGH JESUS OUR LORD. AMEN. Amen. AND MARY, SEAT OF WISDOM, PRAY FOR US. IN THE NAME OF THE FATHER, AND OF THE SON, AND OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. AMEN. VERY GOOD. HOPE YOU'VE HAD A GOOD WEEK, FATHER. EVERYTHING OKAY? I, YES, ABSOLUTELY. IT'S GOING VERY, VERY WELL. GOOD, GOOD.
0: Uh, HERE'S A STORY yeah. I WANTED TO ASK YOU ABOUT. I DON'T KNOW IF YOU'VE HEARD of, uh, IT WAS REPORTED yeah. THROUGH our, our, Catholic, OUR OWN CATHOLIC NEWS AGENCY BY TYLER ARNOLD. Cambridge University researchers developed the world's first synthetic human embryo models, using stem cells but without using egg or sperm, which has sparked ethical concerns and questions about whether scientists are on the verge of creating human life without fertilization. It goes on to clarify that the models, however, do not contain every component of an embryo, which would likely be necessary for it to become a fully developed human being, and. Uh, 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 Melissa Moschella, a uh, philosophy professor at Catholic U in Washington uh, commented on it and says it seems like they have created a model of certain parts of an embryo, but it does not seem to have a fully organizational potential of a real human embryo, and in, in, in which case they call it a model. I wonder if you had heard about that or had any thoughts?
1: I, I haven't heard about it yet, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, you know, uh, as they say, if God Wants to give something like that a soul, he could mm. um, certainly do it. Uh, would he? I don't know, but it doesn't seem uh, plausible or likely. Uh, at least if if uh, I were in his position, that would not be something I would. Um, uh, want to in soul, but then mm-hmm. uh, um, he's got and I'm not mm-hmm. so that's way above my pay grade but the w- one thing I would say is I do have a real concern for this because uh, needless to say when you start making fetal parts even if they're uh, contiguous and they're uh, connected with each other uh, they can definitely become a station from which to extract <clears throat> organs uh, that might be required in the future uh, from someone who is in need of uh, heart tissue, mm-hmm. lung tissue, brain tissue, et cetera. And of course, the, um, the fetal um, uh, tissue, uh, much of it is um, pluripotent, um, not as pluripotent, of course, as, uh, as um, you know, um, uh, a zygote, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it does have many um, uh, remarkable capabilities. Um, and to uh, to really help with some uh, some uh, genetic uh, disorders or with some mm-hmm. of the uh, diseases associated with old age. So the uh, the difficulty, of course, is uh, is this ethical? No, it's terribly mm-hmm. unethical. Mm-hmm. You you can't be creating uh, you know uh, uh, semblances of human beings mm-hmm. uh, merely to harvest them uh, for tissue and for organs. I mean, uh, this is—you know—where where do people want to, to have a, a line drawn for mm-hmm. them uh, about what is decent and what is not decent? Uh, but clearly, you're trying to create um, this contiguous human uh, tissue for uh, obvious reasons, mm-hmm. and that is to harvest it. Uh, if such a being could feel pain, mm-hmm. so it has enough cerebral, uh, or actually, you, you really wouldn't need. Um, you know, um, you know, uh, parietal it would and, and lower brain function sufficient to feel pain, uh, then it should be categorically rejected uh, from both a secular and a religious point of view. Okay. So uh, anyway, um, I strongly suspect that if you're harvesting that mm-hmm. tissue, uh, there will be a desire uh, to give uh, some brain cells to mm-hmm. that uh, tissue uh, in order to use that for uh, perhaps Alzheimer's or other kinds of problems uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. But
0: there might be ways through adult stem cell to deal with those kinds of things, right? Isn't that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I right. mean, it's superfluous. There's no need to do this. Right, right. That's That's the whole thing. In fact, you know, people, most of the genetic researchers who are in this think that adult stem cells are the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Why? because you're not going to get a rejection of your own stem cells so if they take some cells let's say some fat cells from uh, the base of your arm Mm -hmm. and they convert they can regress it back uh, to you know um, a a, a quasi pluripotent state Mm -hmm. and then use that to create uh, let's say you needed some heart tissue Or whatever it was and you know in my case it could be some retinal tissue Mm -hmm. or something of that nature Um, yeah you can do that and you're not going to have any problem with rejection they're your stem cells uh, that have been uh, regressed Mm. so I mean um, you know why wouldn't you want to do that plus of course you don't have to be using um, you know the the fetal stem cells of an aborted uh, human being. You don't have to create human beings in a laboratory to use them as the, the harvesting stations uh, for those kinds of tissues. Why do we even want to get into this when the gold standard is adult stem cells? Right. It's completely you know, ego-driven. It's pride-driven. It's, you know, look at what we can do now driven. And uh, I, I think it has to be uh, Uh, honestly Mm -hmm. you know some medical concern has to be expressed here Uh, uh, certainly the harvesting of organs from Mm -hmm. such beings have to be prohibited and you just can't be killing uh, you know even created um, human embodiment Mm -hmm. uh, without a soul You just can't be uh, killing it uh, to, to harvest tissue from it just use adult stem cells that's the gold standard anyway Right, okay. Here's a a reasonably positive
0: story. Uh, After overturning Roe v. Wade, as we say, many companies began paying travel costs for employees in pro-life states to abort their babies in states where it remained legal. We even talked about the numbers uh, from last week. Uh, Mm -hmm. But this particular company called Public Square is turning the tide giving employees $5,000 bonuses when they grow their families, according to the CEO, Michael Seifert who said they can use the bonus as they please. Just an awesome thank you for being a great team member and to empower their family to continue to grow. Went to say we think that ultimately a company is only as strong as the families that built it and then for us we're a pro-family company. We're unashamed about that and we're actually the largest marketplace in a country of pro-family businesses, so, something called public square. So. Just a shout wow. out to that. You
1: know. uh, Public Square, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm putting that on my list. of uh, I'll be, uh, I'll have the full report on it uh, next week. I think there. this is wonderful. Okay, uh, yeah, shout out to them for sure. Absolutely. Uh,
0: also, uh, there's a new movie coming out uh, that has to do with trafficking, uh, child trafficking. Right, called Sound of Freedom. Yep. Uh, that uh, Jim Caviezel mm-hmm. of, of the Passion fame and Eduardo Verestegui uh, uh, are both involved in and, uh, you know, a lot of people are are being encouraged to go see this and uh, Caviezel says, it's the best thing I've done since the Passion of of the Christ and this is an interview that was done by our friends over at uh, Church Pop. It's going to lift your heart up and you get so hot and so sweaty like the sweat and blood that Jesus sweat in the garden of Gethsemane that you're going to want to do something that you're not going to be afraid any longer. He said, our love for God's children has got to be greater than our fear of evil, just as our love for Jesus has got to be greater than our fear of the cross. And he goes on to say that you cannot do this to our children enough. You can't kill the babies at the first, second, third trimester. Enough killing babies in partial birth abortions. And now, here in the state of California, they're going to kill babies up to 27 days now how does that save the life of the mother shame on us shame on us that we're not willing to do anything and rostegi said concludes saying he believes the film is an answer from god to all children begging
1: god for freedom so have you heard much about the film wow this is i haven't heard about the film i uh, i know the two actors Mm -hmm. very well and they're fantastic and they're always in great productions right but um I, I'm just uh, amazed uh, at it, and I, I'll be reading all about that, too. Well, I, I'm uh, very anxious to go uh, to see the result, but, of course, I know it will be good just because they're very good actors and right. they act in, um, pl- in, in, you know, with the screenplays and with the scripts that are very, right. very good. So uh, I would recommend it for anyone. Yeah. Is there a title to the film right now?
0: Yeah. It's called, uh, I think I just said it there before, I don't want to miss-say it, Sound oh. of Freedom. I know I have my tickets. Um, sound of freedom my wife told me this is what we're doing over july 4th we have to go see this so uh that got that that was already accomplished (laughs) so terry got me he got us lined up and it's funny because you know my son matt who's autistic we originally didn't think he was would be interested and then he found out and he said he definitely wants to go so he's going with us as well so i I recommend that he's the greatest (laughs) so anyway so we got that and wanted to give a uh, pr- yeah. uh, and I'm sure we're promoting it everywhere on the network, and, and obviously Raymond Arroyo and Jim Caviezel yeah. are good buddies. And also, the uh, Eduardo yeah. Ver- Verostigi, if I've seen it right, I think is talking about maybe running for president in Mexico, actually. Uh, there was a story I saw. I hope I'm not reading it wrong or giving out bad really? information. But he was asking for prayers, so oh. that's that's interesting, too, because he's certainly a, a good Catholic yeah. man who lives out his faith like Jim Caviezel sure does is. as well. So. That would be a a major victory for for Mexico. So let's move on to some of the questions uh, people have sent us to catch up. Uh, Dear Father Spitzer, I've done many terrible things in my life, and I've gone to reconciliation for most of them, but I have been vague at times about what I did and also may have forgotten some of the things I've done. Does absolution extend to these events as well? Paul.
1: Well, Paul, there's just um, one thought: uh, culpability. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were trying to be culpably vague, uh, you may want to go back and maybe be a little bit more clear on something, mm-hmm. um, you know. Or if you were culpably uh, omitting something that is serious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, um, you know a, a minor offense, but if it were serious and you. CULPABLY AVOIDED THAT, YOU DEFINITELY WANT TO GO BACK AND CONFESS THAT, mm-hmm. BUT a SHORT of, FROM CULPABLY DOING THAT, YOU DO NOT HAVE TO GO BACK AND RECONFESS. YOU DON'T WANT TO GO BACK uh, AND RECONFESS. Um, you, you BASICALLY, THE ABSOLUTION COVERS ALL THOSE uh, SINS mm-hmm. um, uh, THAT YOU HAVE CONFESSED, AND EVEN THOSE WHICH, YOU KNOW, WERE, um, YOU KNOW, VAGUE IN THE SENSE OF NOT YOU KNOW, uh, you know uh, the, the, THAT YOU WERE NOT PERFECTLY CLEAR. YOU'RE NEVER GOING TO BE PERFECTLY mm. CLEAR uh, ABOUT EVERYTHING. AND EVEN THOSE, uh, where, uh, YOU KNOW, WHERE YOU DIDN'T INTENTIONALLY, um, YOU KNOW, OMIT THEM, uh, YES, THE ABSOLUTION EXTENDS mm. TO ALL OF THOSE SINS. SO uh, okay. INDEED TO ALL OF THE SINS OF YOUR PAST LIFE. RIGHT. Yeah. PERFECT. OKAY. Uh, NEXT UP, DEAR FATHER SPITZER. I'm
0: a 36-year-old Catholic who is autistic, and for years prior to the pandemic I've been struggling with loneliness. I feel neglected by other Catholics for not being in their eyes quote-unquote normal. I've tried social groups but can't seem to build up a conversation, especially being the new guy, and they'd rather talk to members they know better. Why would Catholics reject a fellow Catholic who is on the spectrum instead of being accepting as Jesus wants them to be? And what could an autistic Catholic person like myself do to improve their social skills,
1: Ben? Ben, that's a really mature question. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, it sounds like you're going maybe to a young adult group or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And um, there are many such young adult groups uh, in your diocese. You know, there are probably every other parish uh, has one. And so, if you belong to a group where people are really uh, excluding you mm-hmm. um, and uh, won't talk to you or something of that nature, that's a very cliquish group. I have known many, many groups mm-hmm. who have um, um, been very accepting of people that had autistic difficulties mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And so. Um, you know, uh, you just need to find the right one, uh, Ben. You don't want to throw pearls before swine, right? I mean, uh, you don't want to, you know, try and get them to, or force them to do something they don't want to do. There's so many good groups out Mm -hmm. there who will see you coming and just enjoy, you know, what you have to give. And uh, obviously, you know, your purity of heart Mm-hmm. Um, and you're really, uh, I think, you know, people on the spectrum have so much to offer, right. both emotionally and, and also just in terms of, uh, you know, your good skill sets and, and of your your interests, of course. Uh, you're, you're delightful, indeed, and you just have to find the group that right. is going to do that. I, I honestly, phew, trying to push people into doing the, the, something they don't want to do, right. it just, Never works. It's, it's too much trouble for you, right, right, right. and it's not going to work. Uh, right. But there's so many good groups out there that just accept you in a heartbeat. Right, so, and there's. Uh, I don't know why yeah. this group is is yeah. that way.
0: Well, there's two things yeah. I would just say. One is there are organizations inside the church, sometimes at parishes and diocesan level for, let's mm-hmm. quote unquote people with quote unquote special needs, uh, and in other situations, certainly mm-hmm. there can be others in the particular town or uh, you know. Uh, county you might happen to live in where they have those kinds of you know uh, you know where they go out together and some with people who are you know are, are suffering mm-hmm. or elsewhere on the spectrum on the other part I'd say is mm-hmm. that uh, the, the comfort he should have on one level is uh, it's it's not just being autistic many times go people go and become the new person in a particular group and and they're not let in so I yeah. mean, it's not it's not yeah it's not just for any other you know that just happens sometimes in situations as well where Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of got their place and knows where they fit in and they're not so eager and open to let other people into the mix even sometimes when they talk about parishes and people feel like well I want to get involved in my parish but you know it's it's kind of like well everybody's got the jobs well this is what I do and you know so now you might be taking some of what I want to do so that's what we really have to as as Catholics and Christians step back and, and be more open and more understanding of people with special needs. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, well, in fact, we, um, you know, in a lot of the groups I've been to, there always is a, a kind of a welcoming, um, you know, minute or two yeah. where a new person comes on the scene, they're given a blue name tag, and then, you know, people say, oh, you know, today we have two new members, you know, here's so-and-so, here's so-and-so, and they get a couple of minutes to kind of introduce themselves, and. Um, you know to the group uh, so that people know who they are going forward if you've got a group where you know you just walk in and people go hmm, Mm -hmm. and they don't even recognize you there's no formal leadership in the group to welcome new people that group is uh, is basically a second rater group in my view go to a group where you're going to get some kind of welcome there's obvious leadership At the group that you know takes the trouble to give a special name tag and to welcome people autistic or otherwise otherwise you're going to be a fish out of water the whole time you're there
0: right and and the thing you realize quite honestly those people are ignoring you they're all nervous too they're all insecure too yeah Uh, but you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so uh,
1: you know Yeah, that's so true. You
0: have to remember that as well. Uh, Next up, another question. Dear Father Spitzer, I've always believed in the real presence of Jesus Christ in consecrated hosts and wine. Out of faith and obedience, Uh I accepted the doctrine of transubstantiation of the Eucharist. I guess he was a consubstantiation guy. Mm -hmm. On a recent Father Spitzer's universe, you mentioned that—this I think was about one of the uh, Eucharistic miracles—that you mentioned that a microscopic examination of hosts of Eucharistic murals showed entanglement of intertwined heart and bread tissues. Does this finding support the heresy of consubstantiation
1: rather than doctrine of transubstantiation? Ernest. No, Ernest. I think this is uh, a special condition where Jesus has performed the miracle. A good question, where Mm -hmm. Jesus has performed a miracle and made his tissue grow out of a host. But you cannot draw a doctrinal conclusion Mm -hmm. from an obvious miracle. Uh, that Jesus has performed so that, you know, his wounded heart tissue uh, is actually growing out of uh, the substance of the host. That's there to say, you know, here I am. This is this my wounded uh, heart tissue. It's uh, growing out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not the, the whole, um, you know, host itself, The uh, the host itself and the tissue that's growing out of it is also transubstantiated into the not just the heart tissue but into the the real body blood soul and divinity of the Lord and that of course can't be growing out of the host Jesus' soul and his divinity mm-hmm. because they're already transphysical so um, no it's not meant to you, you don't want to go backwards from a miracle and derive a doctrinal conclusion Mm -hmm. so but it's a really good question and I can see how you would uh, get to that point and it's very interesting uh, but no you don't want to ever do that uh, because boy you get some very weird conclusions Mm. uh, by you know like looking at the blood on the shroud of Turin or looking at uh, you know the uh, I mean let's face facts you know would you want to draw a conclusion about how uh, uh, that this is normal heart tissue, and uh, it 's been disconnected from uh, a circulatory system and embodied circulatory system for over six years uh, you 'd come to a real wrong conclusion about that tissue mm-hmm. so uh, and about uh, t- uh, tissue in general and right. about white blood cells in general, and their need to be uh, connected to right. you know Im- cir- embodied circulatory systems so what you 're right, I, you could uh, sort of see that, but of course it couldn 't be the full transubstantiated body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus. It's just an example for Jesus to give a real, concrete, scientifically uh, investigatable um, manifestation Mm -hmm. of his real presence, an aspect of his real presence, uh, his um, uh, heart tissue uh, growing out of uh, the substance of the host, all of which is transubstantiated into his soul and divinity as well.
0: Okay, very good. Next up, uh, dear Father Spitzer, why is there so much suffering in nature with animals? I understand how human free will causes suffering, but what about in nature? This is Brian.
1: Yeah, I mean, human uh, free will um, uh, certainly that causes one part of suffering, uh, Brian, but uh, when you go um, and look at the second part of suffering, right, that second part of suffering which affects humans and animals both, right, this is, it comes from nature itself, and God has created us in an, imp- uh, in an imperfect world, and so uh, as such, uh, what God does, you know, why does he create us uh, in an imperfect world? Because he, he doesn't want to make us uh, into beings that, you know, have perfect fulfillment right now. He doesn't want uh, nature uh, to be made into a being like that right now because then it would be incongruous with human reality. So he made animal reality and human reality. Uh, uh, congruent. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, they're similar to each other and so now when we reflect on our pain we go, well why would God have created us in an imperfect world? Don't ask the question about why animals. Animals are that way to be congruent to humans. Mm -hmm. Why are humans made in an imperfect world? And the answer is fourfold. Number one, uh, the development of virtue. We want to Uh, you know move beyond ourselves we want to struggle is good for us to get out of our not only egocentricity but out of our sensual nature imagine for just a moment Mm -hmm. that God would have created you in a perfect world where every single wish you had for satisfaction is completely satisfied you never had to struggle for anything Mm -hmm. you were completely self-sufficient Ah, would that really, and by the way, you'd be given every talent needed so that you could be the most intellectual, the most uh, musically creative, the most anything creative. God would make sure you couldn't possibly suffer on any level. Would you really be happy without the struggle Would you really be Mm -hmm. happy without having to overcome yourself? Would you really be happy if you never had to exert any creativity to move beyond uh, your particular condition? Would you really be happy if you never needed to help anybody else because nobody else needed your help and nobody needed to help you because you wouldn't need anybody's help? Would you really be happy uh, in a a condition Mm -hmm. where there's no... NECESSITY FOR YOUR LOVE, FOR YOUR FAITH, FOR YOUR COURAGE, FOR YOUR SELF-SACRIFICE? WOULD YOU REALLY BE HAPPY IF YOU NEVER HAD YOUR METAL TESTED? Mm -hmm. Right? WOULD YOU REALLY BE HAPPY IF YOU NEVER KNEW FOR A SINGLE MOMENT THAT YOU COULD RISE BEYOND DEPRIVATION, YOU COULD RISE BEYOND FEAR, THAT YOU COULD PERFORM A SACRIFICIAL ACT EVEN WHEN THE COST WAS GOING TO BE GREAT FOR YOUR FAMILY, FOR YOUR FRIENDS, for your country. Would you really be happy if there was no need for you to exemplify courage, discipline, fortitude, uh, temperance? Would you really be happy if there was no need for you to even do a loving thing, a a self-sacrificial thing, a good thing, a noble thing? No possibility for noble Spitzer because hovering God did it all for him. Would you really be happy with all of that? Of course, once you know these things about mm-hmm. yourself, you can go to heaven in peace. Okay, I was capable of something noble, I was capable of something courageous. I WAS CAPABLE OF A LOVING ACT, A SELF-SACRIFICIAL ACT FOR THE GOOD OF THE OTHER, WHERE THERE WAS NO REWARD FOR NUMBER ONE SPITZER, RIGHT, ET CETERA, ET CETERA. I, IF if I REALLY, YOU KNOW, HAVE THAT KNOWLEDGE, mm-hmm. IF I REALLY, AS IT WERE, PROVED MY METAL IN LOVE AND IN GOODNESS AND IN VIRTUE AND IN COURAGE AND IN DISCIPLINE AND IN FORTITUDE, IF I REALLY DID THAT, and I knew that about myself. I wasn't just some simpering, pleasure-receiving entity Mm -hmm. that got, you know, the pleasure impulse, the moment I desired it, that I could rise above it all, that I could do something noble, something Mm -hmm. loving, something self-sacrificial, something for God, something for His kingdom, that if if I had that knowledge, Mm -hmm. I could go to heaven in peace. And God basically wanted that. He made us self-conscious, you know. He made us in Mm -hmm. this form where we would have to, in some sense, pay the price to be courageous. Mm -hmm. He made us in a way that we would have to pay the price to do something loving. We would have to exert some effort. We would have to sacrifice of ourselves. And did that make life worse? NO! IT MAKES LIFE NOBLE, IT MAKES LIFE BETTER, Mm -hmm. IT MAKES LOVE GENUINE. TO PAY THE PRICE FOR LOVE, WHAT'S EASY LOVE MEAN? Mm -hmm. BUT IF I'VE GOT IT, IF THAT'S PART OF ME, IF I'M THE KIND OF GUY WHO WOULD DO THAT, THEN TAKE ME UP TO HEAVEN WITH ALL THE OTHER PEOPLE WHO WOULD DO IT AND I'LL BE IN HEAVEN AS A GENUINE, AUTHENTIC, PROVEN MYSELF TO BE the kind of person that really would pay the price for love. I'd take that, not just that knowledge into heaven, I'd take that being into heaven. I'm the kind of guy who would pay the price to do something noble. I'm not the kind of guy who would just sit around and Mm -hmm. kind of get, you know, my pleasure impulses fed by a benign God and so forth, uh, you know, that at the end of the day, I was, you know, a nobody in the sense of virtue, of love, of goodness, never paid the price once, just a simpering receiver. Right,
0: and we see so much in society, even in situations where people are are given things that they quote-unquote didn't earn, uh, or people who are born into incredible success or incredible wealth, who you would think would be incredibly Mm -hmm. happy, but are are, are not, right, because they don't, exactly. they, they didn't work for it, they didn't come from them, That's, it's, it's from someone
1: else and, and, and they're searching for their yep. own self-worth, right? They, not only their self-worth, but their inherent dignity, right. the fact that the hard cost of love came from me. That's real love, right, right. that the hard cost of nobility came from me that's real nobility That the hard cost of self-sacrifice came from me that's real self-sacrifice the hard cost of courage came from me that's real courage that's not faux courage faux love faux nobility faux self-sacrifice that's basically real stuff and that that's me tested metal me and that you say oh that's just an egotistical urge no it isn't it's the primary urge for authenticity and authenticity rises above egocentricity i've
0: I've got the courage to let you know we got a real break and we got to take that break and so hold that (laughs) thought we'll be back with much more (laughs) in father spitzer right after this stay with us And we do appreciate you staying with us for part two of Father's Business Universe. Don't forget, EWTN's family celebration coming up Saturday, August 26th in Birmingham. And our special live show will be with the one and only Father Mitch and Johnette Williams and some other EWTN favorites will be there. Family-friendly activities for children at the EWTN Kids booth. Information, people from news, people from all our programs. Go to EWTN.com forward slash celebration, and Father and I were talking about To Tell the Truth, the old TV show during the break. And of course, one thing is Father Spitzer always tells the truth. So uh, we wanted to move ahead for uh, another question for you. Uh, We've got uh, (laughs) Dear dear Father Spitzer, a couple getting married administered a sacrament of marriage to themselves. The priest is there as a witness. The catechism says anyone, even an atheist, can baptize as long as they do what the church intends in danger of death, can a person baptize themselves if there's no one else
1: around to baptize them? Shelly. Shelly, unfortunately, no, but you could uh, tell somebody before you got in danger of death that you'd wanted to be baptized Mm -hmm. and how to do it. But, um, you know, no, uh, you can't baptize yourself, alas. But um, uh, good thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the church kind of has eliminated that possibility believing that you know people normally have the possibility of um, if they're interested in it themselves of either uh, um, you know having a a priest do the baptism or at least if they think they're getting sick or something to have when they're around somebody to have somebody baptize them uh, in danger of death Mm -hmm. so um, you know the idea of really BEING ALONE IN DANGER OF DEATH AND THEN SUDDENLY GETTING a, AN URGE FOR BAPTISM PROBABLY IS A RATHER RARE OCCURRENCE. Mm-hmm. BUT ANYWAY, the, THE CHURCH SAYS NO, A BAPTISM ACTUALLY HAS TO OCCUR so, uh, THROUGH A MINISTER EVEN IF
0: IT... SO SOMETIMES WE HEAR THE CONCEPT OF A, a BAPTISM OF INTENTION.
1: Well, that is very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't, instead of baptizing yourself, right. uh, you could say, you know, I do have baptism by desire or intention. Right, right. Right? And so the, this, of course, goes all the way back to the uh, the fourth century, the 300s, mm-hmm. in the Christian church, where, um, you know, it was actively, uh, uh, you know, let, let's suppose a person. Um, was in a catechism class or uh, you know but just didn't have the actual formal baptism yet or somebody really desired to be baptized but for some reason maybe their relatives are pressuring them something was happening and they they couldn't you know make that move or have it done secretly uh, in some way mm. um, you know they could actually uh, uh, by their very intention you know okay. just praying to God you know. Uh, THAT I DO WANT TO BE BAPTIZED. IT IS MY DESIRE AND INTENTION uh, TO BE BAPTIZED. Uh, THAT that uh, ABSOLUTELY COULD okay. uh, BE THE CASE. Uh, THE SECOND IS uh, ALSO BAPTISM BY BLOOD, RIGHT? THE WHOLE mm-hmm. IDEA OF THE MARTYRS. Like a modern, uh, right. okay. YOU KNOW, um, EVEN IF THEY HAD NOT BEEN BAPTIZED IN A CEREMONY, THAT SHEDDING YOUR BLOOD FOR CHRIST AUTOMATICALLY, right. uh, YOU'RE BAPTIZED. OKAY, ONE LAST QUESTION
0: BEFORE WE GET TO YOUR BOOK. Dear Father Spitzer, thank you so much for your information about artificial intelligence. Back in the 1970s, did embryologists recognize that the embryo was a human life from the moment of conception? If so, why did they stay silent about
1: during the Roe v. Wade
0: decision? This is Mary.
1: Well, Mary, here's the deal. There was some moments of ambiguity there. Um, where uh, like you don't today you have definitive proof right mm. i mean there's no question that the single-celled uh, zygote has a complete uh... human genome and there's no doubt at all that the specific human uh... single zygote from which you started where, where you have the gametes uniting um, that single-celled zygote that pluripotent cell is going to be the origin and the unity of every cell in your body for the rest of your life. Everyone knows this. And because of that, today, professional biologists and embryological textbooks say that a new, unique, human life begins at fertilization slash conception. So um, that's a a very typical thing. Uh, If you, um, there's an international um, survey of biologists, it should be uh, professional biologists, um, and I think this was like uh, 9,800 biologists uh, worldwide or something Mm. of that nature. 96% of them said that um, the new unique Uh, complete human life uh, begins um, at the single-celled zygote stage. Um, And um, I think in the United States only, um, it was a, uh, um, uh, you know, a a smaller number Mm. of uh, biologists were interviewed, but it was only 68% Agreed that it was fertilization conception, but in both cases. It's a super majority for sure and almost uh, you know uh, Skip the majority. It's almost unanimity among international biologists And of course the reason that they're saying it is if you've got the zygote is the unity and the origin of every cell in your body for the rest of your life and the genome is um, a complete uh, genome uh, to give rise to a uh, um, you know a, a human being, a new unique human being uh, g- going forward. Uh, if that's the case, then you are substantially whole. In other words, there's no no substance uh, needed for you um, mm-hmm. uh, going forward uh, to be human. You're going to, you have all the substance you will ever have for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. you've got it there in that single-celled human zygote. Yes, there's going to be a lot of cellular divisions that take place. Yes, there's going to be a lot of development of those uh, cells that are dividing up from the zygote according to the prescriptions mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, DNA, uh, the, 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 the genome uh, that you have, but um, you know all that development, that's merely accidental. You are a substantially whole human being, not a single thing is going to be added to you. You're just going to develop and develop and develop mm-hmm. what you already have until you become a, a post-born human being. And then you're going to develop and develop and develop some more until you're a five-year-old and until you get to whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the tipping point, I guess, is 18 or so uh when all of a sudden, you know, your your aging process, uh, you, instead of your growing process, you'll you'll tip into the aging process somewhere. Maybe a little older than that. Maybe it's 20 or something. Mm-hmm. But the main thing of of import is you're substantially whole. So I mean, there's just no excuse. Now back in Roe v. Wade days, mm-hmm. uh, I think there was a reasonable certainty of a complete human. Uh, a genome and a pure pl- pluripotent mm-hmm. cell which would be the origin and unity of all the cells in your body for the rest of your life mm-hmm. however uh, because there were some ambiguities in there the supreme court chose to do exactly what they did in the dred scott decision mm-hmm. they decided to arrest um, some substance from ambiguity so they said well because it's ambiguous mm-hmm. well Uh, I think we can say that it's not human life until we have evidence otherwise. Remember that from Dred Scott? Mm -hmm. Finding no evidence in the Constitution of the United States Mm -hmm. that these uh, um, uh, black people who have been brought from Africa are actually human beings Mm -hmm. and therefore persons under the law. We just choose to believe right now in view of the ambiguity that they are not, and they were never intended to have any rights as human beings, and therefore they should be subservient to the superior race. That's the unanimity of the Supreme Court of the United States, just saying, That's a very interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Now, when you really look at it, our whole judicial system, right, if we put justice before the positive law, positive law means laws that are, like, uh, given by a legislature or a judiciary and their interpretive function. Okay, so if you say justice is a higher standard than the positive law and that, therefore, the positive law must conform to the standard of justice itself, uh, equity itself, fairness itself, et cetera, If you say, right, with St. Augustine, that an unjust law is no law at all, then you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the existence of the rights if you're in ambiguity. So when in doubt, Mm -hmm. you have to assume that there is life there until you have evidence to the contrary. What the, in Dred Scott versus uh, Sanford, uh, Dred Scott versus Sanford, and uh, Roe v. Wade, what happened is the Supreme Court. DID THE OPPOSITE. SO BASICALLY WHAT THEY WENT AHEAD AND DID IS SAID, WELL, IN THIS AMBIGUITY, WE'RE NOT SURE. SO GO AHEAD AND KILL THEM uh, UNTIL WE GET SOME EVIDENCE THAT YOU SHOULD STOP KILLING THEM. AND IN THE DRED SCOTT DECISION, GO AHEAD AND ENSLAVE THEM. WE GOT SOME AMBIGUITY UNTIL WE'RE ABSOLUTELY CERTAIN THAT THEY REALLY ARE, uh, YOU KNOW, HUMAN BEINGS AND THEREFORE uh, HAVE INALIENABLE RIGHTS UNDER THE LAW. BY THE WAY, IN BOTH CASES, IT'S VERY INTERESTING TO SEE THAT THE SUPREME COURT FORGOT ABOUT INALIENABLE RIGHTS. Mm -hmm. THEY REDUCED THE TOTAL RIGHTS OF THE HUMAN BEING to civil rights, which are extrinsic rights that are given to you by the Constitution right. or by the civil authority or by a plebiscite. Mm-hmm. Well, those are re- good rights. You should have the right to to um, free press and the right to mm-hmm. free speech. That's, those are fine. And we, of course, we love all of our rights in the Bill of Rights uh, that we have. But one thing you might notice are absent in our bill of rights uh, in the constitution and that's the right to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness now the reason that the founding fathers did not put them in the constitution is because a constitutional right being an extrinsic right can always be taken away by the civil authority that gave the right mm-hmm. so in other words at some time when you have martial law or something of that nature could somebody say i'm going to draft you spitzer into the army and and do this against your freedom you know and do this against your uh, right you know to to have your own domicile and and so forth and so on and the answer is yes that could happen you could be a conscientious objector right but they can't take away your liberty right if you exercise the liberty right they can put you into prison mm-hmm. or they can make you uh, you know pay some penalty uh, for what you have done but they can't take away the right now here's the interesting thing what you find in the Constitution is the, the, the founding fathers didn't want to any civil authority to be taking away an inalienable right, Mm -hmm. so they leave it out of the Bill of Rights And where did they leave it? They left it in the Declaration of Independence Notice how Jefferson phrases this in the Declaration of Independence We find these truths to be underlined self-evident we find, so in other words, within ourselves, we know for sure. We don't need any civil authority to tell us or to legislate this right into existence. We find them to be self evident. And who's going to be the one who gives the right? The Creator. That all, uh, uh, well, they use the word men, but mm-hmm. of course, today we interpret it all people, right? are endowed by their creator with the inalienable, the unseparable, the not takeable awayable kinds of rights, right, with the inalienable rights of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So in other words, what, uh, you know, the the federalists and the, the, the founding fathers, they were very smart. And they knew, you know, hey, Jefferson said it already. We predicated our whole revolution on this already. Uh, We we used our inalienable rights, which, of course, the British are denying that we have. We're saying we've got them in ourselves. We don't need the British civil authority to define this into existence. So we're revolting, and we have the right to revolt against what your British injustice? Now, of course, I, I, I love the British. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we, but I mean, uh, we, we this is, uh, we're going our, back our, a couple hundred years. Our viewers years. in okay. Europe <laughs> yeah. uh, uh,
0: at this point, no, in time, don't. father. But, uh, but uh, and I, I thought it all—I <laughs> yeah. thought the problem was they all just made it up out of the emanations from the penumbra. Uh, as I recall. Uh, uh, <laughs> that. So let's get to in the last closing minutes here uh, just uh, the moral wisdom oh. of the Catholic Church. I think you're familiar with this book. Oh, and yeah. uh, we talk about how so, how do we overcome the culture's <laughs> resistance to the church's teaching in the minds of our friends, children, students, and ourselves? You say many of us have friends who will find these teachings quite difficult or significant burden. We ourselves may also find some teachings burdensome and mm-hmm. seemingly impossible to live with. Or to, to live out. So, in your life, uh, what was the most burdensome thing that you found in your spiritual life as a Catholic?
1: Well, um, actually, I didn't find so much the uh, uh, the moral teachings um, in my life to be mm-hmm. a, a problem. I, I mean, I found them difficult sometimes mm-hmm. uh, to live up to, and of course, you know, tr- you know, the virtues themselves. Oh my gosh, you know the way Jesus describes the Beatitudes, let's face facts, <laughs> I'm far short of the mark. And so, I mean, they are difficult, they are very challenging, but I did not um, write them off. I didn't say, uh, we have to rescript script everything, um, or I, I never said Christian morality is unfair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or I never said that God was unfair. I never did the Job thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, you know before the uh, the uh, Elihu, uh, you know, uh, 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 parts of the of the Job, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, story. So the main thing, though, is if you really look at that, uh, some people just they get they get it in themselves that this is unfair. Mm-hmm. Everybody should have this, and everybody should have that. But remember, you're talking to God. I mean, if you really believe that Jesus Christ is the perfect revelation, He is the Son of God, He therefore is the perfect revelation of God Himself as Emmanuel, God with us. If we really believed that, or we really believed that the prophets really did have, uh, you know, the, 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 the will of God and as well as the, uh, uh, the intelligibility of God In mind when they were declaring these things when Mm -hmm. Moses is giving us the covenant on Sinai etc if we really believe this uh, and we really believe that God has to reveal himself to us otherwise we won't know you know 75% of the questions that are significant Mm -hmm. uh, in our lives then we should first of all put everything on hold Mm -hmm. about our judgment the snap judgment of that's not fair Mm -hmm. you got to withhold it for just a second. And, you know, as a believer, Mm -hmm. our objective is to say, it's not about this life. It's about the next life. It's about eternity. Mm -hmm. Skip all the Marxist, you know, um, uh, propaganda that says, no, no, it's all about this life. And if you think about eternal life, why, that's just, um, you know, the, the, um, the, the uh, opium, know, the of the people. opium of the masses. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, so if you look at it in that way, you, you think to yourself, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus had something in mind with this morality because his objective was not to be fair in this world. His objective was not to, I mean, of course we want to be fair in our conduct, but when he made us Mm -hmm. and when he made uh, the world around us, uh, his view of fairness was what's needed to get you into heaven. Mm -hmm. People will say, hey, look at those poor people. They've got a really distinct disadvantage to those rich people uh, over there. Not in Jesus's logic. Mm -hmm. Jesus thinks THAT THE RICH PERSON HAS AS MUCH CHANCE OF GETTING INTO THE KINGDOM OF HEAVEN WITHOUT FAITH AS A CAMEL GOING THROUGH THE EYE OF A NEEDLE, Mm -hmm. AND and I MEAN HE USES THAT ILLUSTRATION AS AN EXAGGERATION BECAUSE HE'S TRYING TO POINT OUT A TRUTH, Mm -hmm. AND THAT IS RICH PEOPLE HAVE A HARDER TIME GETTING INTO THE KINGDOM OF HEAVEN BECAUSE THERE'S SO MANY THINGS, THEIR POWER, THEIR WEALTH, THEIR TALENTS THAT CAN GET IN THE WAY AND BECOME THE FIRST PRIORITY FOR THEM RATHER THAN THE KINGDOM. now, there's lots of rich people who have faith and rich people who have faith have that discipline oftentimes have that discipline mm-hmm. to put the kingdom of you know the, of God first right. you know uh, you know then uh, all else will be given you besides you know, seek first the kingdom of God if you've got that gift then you don't have to worry about the rich person who's the camel going through trying to go through the eye of a needle mm-hmm. however if you don't have that discipline what Jesus is saying um, you know, better for you to be mm-hmm. poor Better for you uh, to be impoverished. Mm -hmm. Better for you not to have the same skill set as uh, Joe and Mary over here. Better for you to be the weaker party. And St. Paul comes crashing through to confirm it in -hmm. 2 Corinthians 12 when he says, he says, "Uh, I was given a thorn in the flesh. This means, I think, a physical malady like a, a forthcoming blindness, Mm -hmm. right? I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me. For Mm -hmm. what reason? To keep me from getting proud. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he says, as I grow weaker, Christ grows stronger in me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, in my true nature, my true eternal nature, my true nature that is seeking perfect love and perfect goodness through all the Beatitudes, through gentle heartedness and humble heartedness and all these things, I'm better off with the weakness mm-hmm. to getting to that perfect goodness and love that Christ is asking for us, right? Because What makes me weaker makes me strong, says Paul. What, you know, as I grow weaker, Christ, the love of Christ, the virtue of Christ, the self-sacrificial, gentle-hearted, humble-hearted, righteous, pure of heart, love of Christ grows stronger in me. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to say uh, to all of us, wait a minute, before you start passing judgment, on whether God is fair or not, Mm -hmm. you got to have God's criteria. And what's God's criteria? Number one criteria, get Spitzer or Doug (laughs) into heaven. What's the second criteria? To help you get into heaven, I'm going to purify love in you. I'm going to help you to be humble-hearted and gentle-hearted and authentic. And and uh, f- pure of heart, and compassionate, and forgiving. I'm going to help you to do this. And how am I going to help you to do this? With things that seem really unfair, things that seem in. Equitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got this talent, but I don't have this talent. You've got this wealth, but I don't have this wealth. I've got blindness, you don't have blindness. Uh, you know, I've got whatever, you don't have whatever. Stop the judgments. Mm-hmm. Don't, you're looking at the wrong thing. That judgment of fairness is the devil's. Playground, mm-hmm. You can't judge God's will any more than Job. And the main thing is, you know, uh, as Elihu puts it, in humble reflection, stand there and first things first in that humility and say, I wonder why God would have created a world like this. Well, maybe mm-hmm. he was trying to help me to get into heaven. Maybe he was trying to help me to purify my love maybe he was doing this so I'd be more humble-hearted, and I didn't start off Mm humble-hearted, and maybe he's doing this to make me more gentle-hearted, and I didn't start off gentle-hearted, and I didn't start off forgiving, and I didn't start off compassionate, and I think if I had been really, if I didn't have these great evangelical counsels, right, my vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, holy mackerel, I'd be impossible to live with. Mm -hmm. I just value it all. not looking out and going, it's all unfair, because people can say, well, Spitzer, you chose it. I know I chose it, but even if I had been given it, I think I would have been given an advantage if and only if in my faith I could see, hey, this is going to help me get into heaven. If and only if I could say with St. Paul, I've been given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Mm -hmm. Satan to beat me, but I'm happy for it. Because as I grow weaker, Christ grows stronger in me, and his love's going to grow stronger in me. And and in my weakness is my strength, and I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to get purified along the way to my true nature of love and my true nature of goodness, so that all the creativity and intellect and so forth that I have will all be purified along with the love and with the goodness uh, according to Christ's own standards in the Beatitudes. And if that all happens to me, hey, happy man am I. Absolutely. I will lead other people to happiness, and happy will I be in eternity with God's servant and with uh, my beloved Mary and so forth. So the main thing is... Perfect
0: way to end the program, (laughs) Father. And if you'll just uh, give us your (laughs) blessing on the way out the door, that'd be great.
1: (laughs) I will do so. And may the Lord of all consolation and wisdom grant you his view of fairness, his view of resurrection, his view of love, his view of the goodness of human nature unto the resurrection in love so that you may help others see the wisdom of his morality and his teaching and his goodness unto eternal life, and into helping others into that eternal life in peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank
0: you so much, Father. We shall see you next week. Don't forget all the Father Spitzer's books and DVDs available through our catalog, of course. And next week we'll continue on with our topic of the moral wisdom of the Catholic Church from Father's wonderful book. And, of course, bookmark this weekend, God's plan for your marriage. and. Exploration of Holy Matrimony from Genesis to the Wedding Feast of the Lamb with Father Robert Altier. Very interesting interview. We've also got to the top, Pier Giorgio Frassati. This is a powerful new original EWTN docudrama that explores the life and holiness of this young Italian saint. Special premiere tonight, Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time with a re-air on Saturday, July 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm Doug Keck. We'll see you next time right here on Father Spitzer's Universe.